reimagining business possibility with lounge underwear and Afrocentrics, powered by Shopify. When we switched to Shopify, our sales tripled overnight. Having Shopify at your fingertips that just allows us to kind of jump in. Start selling today with Shopify to join the commerce platform powering thousands of businesses across the UK. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.co.uk slash green. Go to shopify.co.uk slash green to start selling online today. Reimagining business possibility with lounge underwear and Afrocentrics, powered by Shopify. When we switched to Shopify, our sales tripled overnight. Having Shopify at your fingertips that just allows us to kind of jump in. Start selling today with Shopify to join the commerce platform powering thousands of businesses across the UK. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.co.uk slash green. Go to shopify.co.uk slash green to start selling online today. You are now listening to Mark's Unexplained World by Mark the Medium from Hinkley Community Radio, a non-profit podcast radio station. Tonight's episode is about Unit 731. Unit 731 is short for the Manchu Detachment 731. It was a unit of the Imperial Japanese Army that engaged in both unethical and deadly human experimentation. Based in Japanese-occupied China, Unit 731 was responsible for some of the most notorious war crimes committed by the armed forces of Imperial Japan. These experiments included the testing of biological and chemical weapons on human populations during the Second Sino-Japanese War during 1937 to 1945 and World War II. The biological and chemical weapons included anthrax, cholera and bubonic plague attacks on both military and civilian populations. They also included vivisection, often without anaesthesia, on men, women, children and infants. It was also the arena for the testing of grenades and flamethrowers on people and subjecting victims to water deprivation, low pressures, low temperatures causing frostbite in most most victims, chemical agents and other atrocities such as amputation and limb reattachment, and probably worst of all, being buried alive. In the end, Unit 731 was responsible for the killing of an estimated 200,000 to 300,000 people. Greetings, Unexplainers. Thank you once again for tuning in to the upside down and inside out world that is Mark's Unexplained World. My name is Mark Hughes. I'm a psychic medium, a paranormal investigator and a guy who wears black but not 
as a token of everything dark, but as a way of hiding any dirt. In this episode, I'm going to tell you about the terrible atrocities that happened at Unit 731. And this week's necessary disclaimer. This episode sadly involves the torture, death and mutilation of men, women and children of all ages, so may prove upsetting to some. I'm not going to beat about the bush, people. This one is a very dark episode, so you listen at your own discretion. But remember that all opinions and comments are strictly my own, but the facts of this case still remain. I also apologise if I pronounce anything incorrectly, but as the late, great Mark Twain once said, and I quote, If you don't know how to pronounce a word, say it loudly. Do not compound mispronunciation with inaudibility. Anyway, let's get back to the event. Japan had started its biological weapons program in the 1930s, mainly due to the fact that the use of biological weapons were banned in interstate conflicts by the Geneva Protocol of 1925. The Japanese reasoned that, at the time, the Geneva Protocol ban verified its effectiveness as a weapon. On an early interesting side note, the Geneva Protocol is a treaty prohibiting the use of chemical and biological weapons in an international armed conflict. It was signed at Geneva on the 17th of June 1925 and entered into force on the 8th of February 1928. It was registered in the League of Nations Treaty Series on the 7th of September 1929. It prohibits the use of asphyxiating, poisonous or other gases and of all analogues, analog, what's that word? Analogues? Analogous. Analogous, sorry. And all analogous liquids, materials or devices and bacteriological methods of warfare. This is now understood to be a general prohib prohibition. Oh, good grief! A general prohibition prohibition on chemical weapons and biological weapons between state parties, but has nothing to say about the production, storage, or transfer of the aforementioned chemicals. A number of countries submitted reservations when becoming parties to the Geneva Protocol declaring that they only regarded the non-use obligations as applying to other parties and that these obligations would cease to apply if these prohibited weapons were used against them. I don't know about you, but in my opinion, this sounds like a global stalemate to me. Japan's occupation of the northeast region of Asia, mainly Manchuria, began in 1931. During its occupation, Japan then decided to go ahead and build Unit 731. 
The Imperial Japanese Army set up the unit in Manchuria, mainly because the occupation not only gave the Japanese an advantage of separating the research stations from the Japanese island, but it also gave them access to as many Chinese individuals as they wanted for use as test subjects in their various experiments. Medical doctors and professors from Japan were attracted to join Unit 731, both by the rare opportunity to conduct human experimentation and the Army's strong financial backing. At the time, the Japanese viewed the Chinese as no-cost assets and hoped that this would give Japan a competitive advantage in biological warfare. In 1932, the Surgeon General Shiro Ishii and Chief Medical Officer to the Imperial Japanese Army Sadao Araki were placed in command of the Army Epidemic Prevention Research Laboratory or the AEPRL. Surgeon General Shiro Ishii organized a secret research group called the Togo Unit for chemical and biological experimentation in Manchuria. Shiro Ishii had originally proposed the creation of a Japanese biological and chemical research unit in 1930, after he went on a two-year study trip abroad. His main reason for proposing this idea was on the grounds that Western powers were apparently developing their own biological and chemical programs. One of Shiro Ishii's, sorry, Shiro Ishii's main supporters for this proposal inside the Japanese army was Colonel Shikahiko Koyazumi, who later served as Japan's health minister from 1941 to 1945. In 1915, during World War I, Colonel Shakahiko Koyazumi had joined the Secret Poison Gas Research Committee when he and other Imperial Japanese officers were impressed by the successful German use of chlorine gas at the Second Battle of Ypres. Whatever rocks your boat, I suppose, but I have, to put, I have put the word successful in inverted commas. Another bit of interesting stuff, the Second Battle of Ypres was uh, a First World War second battle that was fought in Ypres from the 22nd of April to the 25th of May in 1915. The battle was for control over the tactically important high ground to the east and south of the Flemish town of Ypres in western Belgium. The Second Battle of Ypres was the first mass use by Germany of poison gas on the Western Front, leading to a death toll of around 59,000 men. In 1936, Emperor 
Hirohito, who was the 124th Emperor of Japan, reigning from 1926 until his death in 1989, issued a decree authorising the expansion of the Biological and Chemical Research Unit and its integration into the General Army of the Imperial Japanese, otherwise known as the Kwantung Army, as the Epidemic Prevention Department. This department was then divided at the time into the Ishii Unit and Wakamatsu Unit, with a base in Sinking. On a brief note, Sinking is now known as Changchun and is now the capital and largest city in the Jilin province in China. From the August of 1940, the units were known collectively as the Epidemic Prevention and Water Purification Department of the Kwantung Army, or for short, Unit 731. The younger brother of Emperor Hirohito, Prince Mikasa, toured the Unit 731 headquarters in China and wrote in his memoirs that he watched films showing how Chinese prisoners were, and I quote, made to march on the plains of Manchuria for poison gas experiments on humans. The Japanese politician and military leader, who later became the Prime Minister in 1941, Hideko Tojo, was also shown the films of the Chinese prisoner experiments, which he later described as being unpleasant. Unpleasant? Really? Is that the most shocking word you could think to use? Oh well, back to the story I suppose. After this first short break, in part two we will look at the type of human experiments that were conducted on Unit 731's victims. This show is brought to you courtesy of Neil Packer and the Haunted Antiques Paranormal Research Centre. Find them online at www.hauntedresearchcentre.com or at 9211 Regent Street, Hinkley, LE101AW. Open on Saturdays from 10am to 4pm for guided tours of the haunted rooms at just £3 per person. Booking is essential at all times and over 16s only please unless accompanied by an adult. The haunted rooms are extremely haunted and paranormal activity could and has taken place at any time. Some areas and particular objects or items can be quite scary and unnerving. Membership is available for £25 to qualify for selective offers. And why not download the app available on both iOS and Android for only £3.99. To keep up to date 
with what is coming up at the centre. A special project that was codenamed Maruta was used to describe the experiments that were placed on the human victims within Unit 731. Test subjects would be gathered from the surrounding Chinese population, although I think I should point out here that, uh, that not all the test subjects or victims were Chinese. There were in fact many other nationalities being included as well. And sometimes they were euphemistically referred to as logs. The Japanese doctors or guards would often use this term in such context as how many logs fell today. I suppose it was a way of dehumanising their victims, you know, like torturing them wasn't enough. The term logs actually started off as a joke on the part of the doctors and staff at the unit mainly because the official cover story for the facility given to the local authorities was that it was a lumber mill. And according to one of the junior uniformed civilian employees of the Imperial Japanese Army, who was working in Unit 731 at the time, claimed that the project was internally called Hulkblotz, which is German for, you guessed it, log. And to add further insult to the already injured corpses, the sacrificed victims were then disposed of by, yep, of all things, incineration. Researchers at Unit 731 also published some of their results in journals, writing as though the research had been conducted on non-human primates, calling the victims' names like a Mancurian monkey or a long-tailed monkey. According to the American historian Sheldon H. Harris, he said, and I quote, The Togo unit employed gruesome tactics to secure specimens of select body organs. If Surgeon General Shiro Ishii or one of his co-workers wished to do research on the human brain, then they would order the guards to find them a useful sample. A prisoner would be taken from his cell, guards would uh, hold him while another guard would smash the victim's head open with an axe. His brain would be extracted, then sent off to the uh, pathologist, and then the body uh, sent to the crematorium for the usual disposal. Professor Nakawaga, Nakagawa sorry, Yonezo at Osaka University claimed that while he was at Unit 731, he watched footage of both human experiments and executions. He later testified about the playfulness of the experimenters. He said, and I quote, some of the experiments had nothing to do with advancing the capabilities of germ warfare or medicine. There is such a thing as professional curiosity. What would happen if we did such and such? What medical purpose was served by performing and studying beheadings? None at all. That was just playing around. 
Professional people, too, like to play. Thousands of men, women, children and infants who were all interned at Unit 731 were subjected to vivisection, often performed without anaesthesia. In a video interview, a former Unit 731 member called Okawa Fukumatsu actually admitted to having vivisected a pregnant woman. Vivisections were performed on prisoners after they were injected with various diseases, disguised as vaccinations, in order to study their effects. Well, as long as you have a good reason, I suppose. In order for the researchers to study the effects of untreated venereal disease, male and female prisoners were deliberately infected with syphilis and gonorrhea, and then they were studied. Both, both the female and male prisoners were repeatedly subjected to rape by the guards. But I don't know whether this was done with or without the researchers knowing. However, I do have my suspicions. Researchers also performed invasive surgery, surgery sorry, on the prisoners, removing organs to study the effects of diseases on the human body. Prisoners had limbs amputated in order to study blood loss. Sometimes limbs were removed and reattached to the opposite side of the same victim's body. And some prisoners had their stomachs surgically removed and their oesophagus or food pipe reattached to the intestines. In some cases, small parts of the brain, lungs and liver were dissected from the prisoners' bodies whilst they were still alive. Imperial Japanese Army Surgeon Ken Yasa suggests that practicing vivisection on human subjects was widespread, even outside of Unit 731, estimating that in sorry, estimated that in mainland China at least 1,000 Japanese personnel were involved in this type of surgery. Army Surgeon Ken Huasa said that when he performed vivisections on captives, they were, and I quote, awful practice rather than research, and that such practices were routine among the Japanese doctors stationed in China during the war. The New York Times interviewed a former member of Unit 731, and although he insisted on anonymity, the former Japanese medical assistant recounted his first experience in vivisecting a live human being. He claimed that the human being in question had first been deliberately infected with the plague, mainly for the purpose of developing plague bombs for the war. He also claimed, and I quote, The fellow knew that it was over for him, and so he didn't struggle when we led him into the room and tied him down. But when I picked up the scalpel, that's when he began screaming. I cut him open from the chest to the stomach, 
and he screamed terribly. His face was twisted in agony. He made this unimaginable sound. He was screaming so horribly, but then finally he stopped. This was all in a day's work for surgeons, but it really left an impression on me because it was my first time. It has been suggested by other sources that this was the usual practice in Unit 731 for the surgeons to stuff a rag or a medical gauze into the mouth of the prisoner before commencing any vivisection in order to stifle any screaming. Human targets were also used to test grenades positioned at various distances and in various positions. Flamethrowers were tested on prisoners and victims were tied to stakes and used as targets to test pathogen-releasing bombs, chemical weapons, shrapnel bombs with various amounts of fragments and explosive bombs, as well as both bayonets and knives. An army engineer named Hisato Yoshimura conducted experiments by taking prisoners outside and placing various appendages into water of varying temperatures and then allowing the same limbs to freeze. Once the limbs were frozen, Hisato Yoshimura would strike the prisoners affected frozen limbs with a short stick which would emit a sound resembling that which a board gives when it is struck. Then the ice was chipped away from the aforementioned frozen limb. The affected area was then subjected to various treatments, such as being doused in water or exposed to the heat of a fire. Other researchers of Unit 731 refer to Hisato Yoshimura as the scientific devil and a cold-blooded animal because he would conduct his work with total strictness. One member of Unit 731, Naoji Uizono, described in a 1980s interview a grisly scene where Hisato Yoshimura had, and I quote, Two naked men put in an area of at least 40 to 50 degrees below zero and researchers filmed the whole process until the subjects died. Both subjects suffered such agony that they were digging their nails into each other's flesh. Hisato Yoshimura's lack of remorse was evident in an article he wrote for the Journal of Japanese Physiology in 1950 in which he admitted to using 20 children and a three-day-old infant in experiments which exposed them to zero degree Celsius and salt water. In order to transmit the disease syphilis, Unit 731 members orchestrated forced sex acts between infected and non-infected prisoners. After the victims were syphilis infected, 
they were then vivisected at different stages of the infection so that internal and external organs could be observed as a disease progressed. Testimony from multiple guards at Unit 731 blamed the female victims as being hosts of the syphilis infection, even as they were forcibly infected. The genitals of the female prisoners that were infected with syphilis were nicknamed jam-filled buns by the guards. Some of the children who grew up inside the walls of, Se of Unit 731 were also infected with the syphilis disease. A youth courts member who was deployed to train at Unit 731 recalled viewing a batch of female subjects that would undergo syphilis testing. He said, and I quote, one was a Chinese woman holding an infant. One was a white Russian woman with a daughter of four or five years of age. And the last was a white Russian woman with a boy of about six or seven. The children of these female subjects were tested in similar ways to how their parents were tested, with specific emphasis on determining how much longer infection periods, sorry, on determining how longer infection periods affected the effectiveness of the treatment. Sorry about that, guys. After this second short break, in part two, we will look at a few other medical experiments that were carried out, experiments on the staff and the one attempt at escape. Fright Nights was established in 1999 as the first company in the world to offer overnight ghost hunt experiences to the general public, pioneering paranormal events since the last century. Fright Nights operate at hundreds of the UK's most haunted and exclusive venues. All events have their own team of experienced paranormal investigators, mediums and psychics. They have a VIP members club for regular returning guests, offering loyalty discounts, and exclusive invitation-only events. They can also host private events for your family and friends. You can contact them on 07852998628 or email them at office at frightnights.co.uk or take a look at their website at www frightnights.co.uk where you can see the many locations they investigate and learn about them and the opportunities they have available. Hundreds of ghost hunters join Fright Nights every month for the most thrilling ghost hunting experiences they'll never forget. If you haven't been on a ghost hunt before then why not join them to see what it's all about? Why not visit their social media sites for up-to-date information on all the places they visit and to see what's coming up in the future. They look forward to seeing you all soon. Fright Nights Ghost Hunting Events. Remember, only the original will do.
The female prisoners at Unit 731 were often forced to become pregnant so they could be used in various experiments and the reason for this simply repeated torture. It was done on the hypothetical possibility of a vertical transmission of diseases, i.e. from mother to child, particularly syphilis, because fetal survival and damage to the mother's reproductive organs were objects of interest to the researchers. And although a large number of the babies were born in captivity, there have been no account of any survivors from Unit 731, with it being suspected that any children of female prisoners were probably killed after their birth or aborted. The male prisoners of Unit 731 were often used in single studies so that the results of the experimentation on them would not be clouded by other variables. Whereas women were sometimes used in bacteriological, physiological or sex experiments and as the victims of sex crimes, the report of one of the uh, sorry, the report of one Unit 731 member that served as a guard graphically demonstrated this reality. It read, and I quote, One day he had a human experiment scheduled, but there was still time to kill. So he and another unit member took the keys to the cells and opened one that housed a Chinese woman. <clears throat> one of the unit members raped her. The other member took the keys and opened another cell. There was a Chinese woman in there who had also been used in a frostbite experiment. She had several fingers missing and her bones were black with gangrene set in. He was about to rape her anyway, then he saw that her sex organ was festering with pus oozing to the surface. He gave up the idea, left and locked the door, then later went on to his experimental work. Couldn't catch a break, eh, fella? In other tests taking place in Unit 731, subjects were deprived of food and water to determine the amount of time until death placed into low-pressure chambers until their eyes popped out from their sockets, experimented upon to determine the relationship between temperature, burns and human survival, hung upside down until death, crushed with heavy objects, electrocuted, dehydrated with hot fans, placed into centrifuges and spun until death, injected with animal blood, mainly horses, exposed to lethal doses of x-rays, subjected to various chemical weapons inside gas chambers, injected with seawater and burned alive or buried alive. In addition to the copious amounts of injections of chemical wet agents, to the properties of many other different toxins were also pumped into the prisoners' bodies. They include tetradotoxin or pufferfish, pufferfish and fugo venom, heroin, Korean bindweed 
and castor oil seeds. According to the former Unit 731 vivisectionist Okawa Fukumatsu, massive amounts of blood were also drained from some of the prisoners in order to study the effects of, you guessed it, blood loss. Unit 731 also tested many different chemical agents on prisoners, with a building dedicated purely to gas experiments. Some of the gases that they tested were mustard gas, lewisite, cyanic acid gas, white phosphorus, adamsite and pho phosgene gas. Some of the tests at Unit 731 have been described as psychopathically sadistic with no conceivable military application. Personally, I think that goes without saying. For example, there was one experiment that documented the time it took for a three-day-old baby to freeze to death. No prisoner who entered Unit 731 came out alive. Prisoners were usually received into Unit 731 at night in motor vehicles painted black with a vent ventilation hole but no windows. The vehicle would pull up at the main gates and one of the drivers would go to the guardroom and report it to one of the prison guards. The prison guard would then telephone the special team in the inner prison. Then the prisoners would be transported through a secret tunnel dug under the facade of the central building to the inner prisons. Building 8 in this inner prison housed women and children, while Building 7 housed the men. Once at this inner prison, technicians would take samples of the prisoners' blood and stools, test their kidney function and collect other physical data. Once the prisoner was deemed healthy and fit for experimentation, they immediately lost their names and were dehumanised by being given a three-digit number, which they kept until their death. Whenever any prisoner had died after the experiments they had been subjected to, a clerk at the first division struck their numbers off an index card and took the deceased prisoner's manacles to one side, ready to be put on to the next batch of new arrivals at the prison. Unit 731 was divided into eight divisions in total. They included Division 1. This division was used for research on bubonic plague, cholera, anthrax, typhoid and tuberculosis using live human suspect subjects. It was constructed to contain around three to four hundred prisoners. Division 2 was a research building for biological weapons used in the field. In particular, the production of devices to spread germs and parasites. Division 3. This was used for production of shells containing biological agents. Division 4. 
was used for bacteria mass production and storage. Division 5 was for the instruction and training of personnel. And divisions 6 to set, sorry, 6 to 8, these buildings were designed for holding equipment, medical and ad administrative items. Unfortunately for the prisoners of Unit 731, escape was pretty much impossible. Even if any prisoner had managed to escape the heavily fortified building full of staff otherwise known as Quadrangle, they would have to get there over the three metre high brick wall surrounding the complex and then across a dry moat filled with electrified wire one it running around the perimeter of the complex. However, despite the prison's status as highly secure building, at least one unsuccessful escape, tent, escape attempt did occur. Corporal Kikuchi Norimitsu testified that he was told by another Unit 731 member that a prisoner, and I quote, had shown violence and had struck the experimenter with a door handle. He continued, He jumped out of the cell and run down the corridor, seized the keys and opened the iron doors and some of the cells. Some of the prisoners managed to jump out, but these were only the bold ones. These bold ones were obviously shot. Of course, it wasn't just prisoners who were subjected to the vile experiments that went on in Unit 731. An assistant in the special team, Yashio Tamura, recalled that an employee of the 1st Division at Unit 731, a Yoshio Sudo, became infected with the bubonic plague as a result of the production of the plague bacteria. So, the special team was then ordered to vivisect Yoshio Sudo. Also, a Unit 731 Youth Corps member, Yoshio Shenazuka, testified that his friend and junior assistant, Amitsuo Harikawa, was also vivisected as a result of being accidentally infected with the plague. As the Second World War started to come to an end, all the prisoners within Unit 731 were then killed in order to hide any evidence of what had been going on. With the coming of the Red Army in the August of 1945, Unit 731 had no choice other than to abandon their work. Ministries in Tokyo ordered the destruction of all incriminating materials and any potential witnesses, such as the 300 remaining prisoners who were either gassed or fed poison, while the 600 Chinese and Mancurian labourers were all shot dead. Surgeon General Shiro Ishii 
ordered every member of the Unit 731 group to disappear and take their secrets to the grave. Potassium cyanide vials were used to them, sorry, were issued to them for personal use in case the remaining personnel were captured. Skeleton crews of Shiro-ishi Japanese troops blew up the Unit 731 compound in the final days of the war to destroy any evidence of their activities. But unfortunately, many parts of the building were sturdy enough to remain somewhat intact. Among the individuals in Japan after its 1945 surrender was a Lieutenant Colonel Murray Sanders, who arrived in Yokohama via the American ship Sturgis in the September of that same year. Lieutenant Colonel Murray Sanders was not only a highly regarded microbiologist, but he was also a member of America's Military Center for Biological Weapons. His main duty while he was in Yokohama was to investigate any Japanese biological warfare activity. At his time of his sorry, at the time of his arrival, Japan, he had no knowledge of what Unit 73 was until Lieutenant Colonel Sanders finally threatened the Japanese with bringing the Soviets into the picture. Extraordinarily little information about biological warfare was being shared with the Americans at that time. The Japanese wanted to avoid any prosecution under the Soviet legal system. So the morning after Saunders made his threat, he received a full manuscript describing Japan's involvement in biological warfare. The Lieutenant Colonel took this manuscript to the Supreme Commander of the Allied Powers of General Douglas MacArthur, who was also responsible for rebuilding Japan during the Allied occupations. General Doug Douglas MacArthur struck a deal with the Japanese informants by secretly granting immunity to the physicians of Unit 731 in exchange for providing their research on biological warfare and data from the human experimentation exclusively to America. The American occupation authorities kept a very tight rein on the former Unit 731 members by monitoring their activities, including reading and censoring their mail. The Americans believed that the research data that they had retrieved regarding Unit 731 was unbelievably valuable and on no account did they want other nations, particularly the Soviet Union, to acquire the information on biological weapons. Today, on the southern edge of Harbin, the capital of China's northeastern Heilongjiang province, there is a white two-story building with a red title, sorry, with a red tile roof. This building was originally part of a 150-building complex 
built by the Japanese during the 1930s. And inside this white two-storey building with a red tile roof is the Unit 731 Museum, which now displays black and white photographs and relics from that very dark period that have all been donated by locals to remind people today of the terrible human experiments that were performed there during World War II. At the time, it was the world's largest biological warfare research centre. And as the world remembers Japan's surrender, which ended World War II, this museum won't let its people forget the atrocities that both the Japanese soldiers and the research scientists committed in China during the Second World War. Thank you all for taking the time out to listen to this episode of Mark's Unexplained World. In our next episode, show 73, we are going to be looking at the Coravina Group Incident. In 1993, six members of a seven-person hiking group died in mysterious circumstances. After their disappearance, a group of kayakers spotted a young girl who was covered in blood. The young girl was known as Valentina Utochenko, who had been a part of the missing hiking group. Valentina Utochenko was so traumatised by what had happened to her fellow hikers that it took years for her to be able to tell police what had happened to them. When the six bodies of the missing hikers were later found, autopsies showed signs of hypothermia and protein deficiency. Theories about what happened to the six hikers range from alien abduction to Russian military experiments. This show was written and researched by myself, Mark Hughes, and proofread and edited by Linda Hughes. The actors in this episode were Mark Hughes, Linda Hughes and Denise Pula. With special thanks to Neil Packer, and the staff at the Haunted Antiques Paranormal Research Centre in Hinckley. And of course, a big thanks to everyone for listening. Mark's Unexplained World, because there's more to the paranormal than meets the third eye. And remember, guys, keep it real, because being real is better than being perfect. This show and all its contents are covered by basic copyright of Mark the Medium. Supermarket is both which cheapest supermarket 2022 and good housekeeping readers' favourite supermarket 2023. Spoiler alert, it ain't Asda. Yes, Aldi's the answer! Shop at Aldi and see if you could save your family fortunes.